Well, good morning. Welcome to the Calling Community Church. My name is Brady Testorf, and blessed to be the pastor here. It's always uh, always great to uh, to remember that we do send out a podcast every week, so that this goes out online. So those who weren't able to be here with us this morning are able to to catch it uh, catch it online. And so we appreciate Zach. This young man right here that makes that happen every single week. That's a skill that he has that I do not have, and so we always appreciate those, those gifts. I want to welcome back Kyle and Ashley, newly married. First time back. Yeah. Let's make it awkward for them. Everybody look at them. That's awesome. So, so great to be a part of their wedding. As a pastor, when you get to do things that come full circle, like you, you minister to a student in high school and in youth group, and then you get to watch them grow up, and then they call you and say, hey... I want you to do my wedding. Are you available? And so it's, it's a precious time. Someday we'll get a chance to dedicate their baby, um, and then we'll uh, baptize their child, and then they'll come to my funeral. And then it'll be over. It'll be full circle. It'll be awesome. <laughs> Can't wait for that to happen. No, no, not that I'm ready to die. I'm ready for you guys to have kids. Get right on that, all right? Now that you're newly married. September 19th is going to be a big day here in the community. I want to make sure that you, you get that on your calendar. If you're able to, we're going on a mission trip, on a one-day mission trip about a block away from here to an apartment complex called Woodland Trace. It used to be called Bellomondo years ago when I first moved here in 1988. I lived in an apartment there and with a few other guys that worked at the airport, and then we, uh, then we moved into a three-bedroom apartment where I actually had my own room that was really moving up in the world then. And that was kind of a cool place to be at the time because a lot of airline employees lived there. But then Braniff went out of business and TWA uh, reorganized some things, and then that place uh, began to kind of go downhill after a while. And uh, there's, there's always been this sense of a need for the, the love of Jesus to come to that place. And not without going into too many details, but there was actually a young lady who had a, had a vision or a dream about, uh, about my, myself and my wife being in that place and inviting people to wake up and to come to know the Lord. Well, it's kind of cool that this Saturday, the 19th, the church of Platte City, not just our church, but other churches, are going, they've been invited by the owner of the complex to come to that place and share the love of Jesus in practical ways, to help them remodel, to paint, to clean up, to pick up trash, to, to do whatever it is that we can do to share the love of Jesus. And I'm just encouraging you, if you're available that day, come. It's from 9 to 2. It's not all day long, all right? It's not cross, it, it is cross-cultural in some ways, but it's easy to get there. You're not going to be there all day long, but come and be the hands and feet of Jesus if you would. Please, that would be great. This week, we had the opportunity to uh, approach another teacher about using their classroom. And you never know, like I didn't know the person, and so I just sent an email out and said, hey, we're, we're thinking that we need to expand a little bit in our kids' ministry. Can we use your classroom? What do you think? She immediately responded um, and said, I would love for you to be in my classroom, but I only ask one thing. And she asked the same thing the other teachers ask, and that is pray for the kids who walk into my classroom. Pray for the students that are hurting, that don't know the love of of a father maybe, or, or the things that are going on in their life, and they come into our classroom hurting, and, it, and it, it impedes them from learning. So we're going to pray for them this morning. We're going to pray because she asked me to do that. And then also I was approached in the hallway before I came in this morning that there is a three-year-old little boy named Isaac at Children's Mercy Hospital. He's probably not the only child there 
um, hanging on for his life, but this little boy uh, has some really serious health issues and, and he needs us now to pray for him. So let's just, let's just go to the Lord in prayer together. So Father, we praise you and thank you for just strategically placing um, this new teacher to our school right across from our coffee bar with a room that's available for us. And that is not an accident, Lord, and I thank you that you, you know exactly where your people need to be and when, and we, we just say thank you for that. I pray you bless her for her, open up her room. I pray that, that students would feel a sense of peace when they come into her classroom and that they would uh, sense that something's different. Even just for the school in general, God, I pray that people would just see that something's different about this school this year because a church is here. The church, your body is in this place. Father, right now, we just lift up a little Isaac to you. Together, just all of our prayers gathered together in one, just one basket, if you will, Lord, and we just give them to you that you would heal this little boy. Like even right now, this particular minute, his vital signs would start to change. They'd start seeing an improvement uh, in his, his overall health and, and it got to just lead to complete recovery. That He'll be a testimony to your grace and your mercy. I pray that it would speak to his parents, speak to the doctors and the nurses and everybody that, that knows about the story and God, that you would receive the glory for it. So we lift up Isaac to you right now and speak a prayer of, of faith for his healing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want you to look around you. Just look around and say, maybe to the person next to you, you know what? We're never going to be in this place again just like this. I mean, it's significant to me that every single Sunday, it's a different group of faces, different group of people. And, uh, and we tend to always sit on this side of the boat. Um, we're going to spread out eventually. We're gonna, there's going to be a necessity to do that. Uh, but I do, I always, I promise you, I always think that there's something significant about this moment. Because we don't have this, we're not going to have this moment again, right? We're not going to have this moment again. We only get this one day uh, to be together. And hopefully you can be content with that, and that is what the message is about this morning. It's about uh, learning about commit or contentment in our life, and having having a, a, a good, good healthy balance with with contentment, and then also with being discontent with such situations or circumstances in our life that that we have the power to change. Maybe God is calling us to change those things. And so that's what we're going to look at today. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to First Timothy chapter. Six, that's where we'll go first, and while you're doing that, we'll, we'll jump right in. So the definition of contentment, I, when I looked this up, it actually, actually like the kid's definition of contentment better than the adult contemporary version of it. And the kid's version is freedom from worry or restlessness, which is a peaceful satisfaction. It's a good segue from last week as Roy was here and he spoke about freedom from anxiety and worry and just experiencing God's peace. So in a sense, contentment is peaceful satisfaction with the way things are. At my house recently, contentment is easily seen on the face of a milk-drunk six-week-old baby. (laughs) After she's done eating, the look on her face is priceless. She's like, yeah. That's what I'm talking about right there. That was, that's what I needed. That's why I was crying. Thank you for getting it right. Thank you for figuring out what the problem was. 
And her arms are out, and she's just so satisfied. Do you ever have any, those moments, those deep sigh moments of satisfaction in your life? Most of the time it happens to me when I'm driving. Like, I'll be driving, and I'll just kind of like be thinking about the day to come, and ah, I'm content right now. Now, that doesn't mean it can't change within a moment. It could. But I think just for this particular moment, I'm peacefully satisfied with the way things are. Maybe it's because I know that I'm I'm headed to to Starbucks and there's a vanilla latte waiting, especially when it's a free one. That's when I'm really satisfied. Or I just know that, hey, later later on um, this week, my my, uh, 19-year-old daughter's coming home from college and she's going to be in the home again and... (sighs) <sighs> Do you ever have moments like that in your life? Just kind of with just a deep sigh and you think, just for right now, everything's okay in the universe. I hope you do. I hope you have some of those moments. But there are some things, there are some things in life that are never satisfied. Actually, in Proverbs chapter 30, it says, four things that never say enough. One of them is your wife's honeydew list. Gentlemen, can I get an amen? Amen. Some of you are afraid to say amen right now because your wife's sitting right next to you. You're just like, honey, I'm happy to do whatever you need me to do. That's why I'm here. That's why I exist. That's where I get my deep sigh moments of just doing whatever you need me to do every day. That's actually not in scripture. But, you know, here's the thing that is never satisfied. The grave, the barren womb, land, which is never satisfied with water, and then fire. Fire is never satisfied. It never can say enough. You might, you might be able to say, I could add to that list, I could say laundry. There's never, there's never, you should never be done with it. Or maybe it's your gas tank. Maybe your gas tank is never satisfied. It always wants more, doesn't it? Always wants more. Uh, my son is learning that lesson. He's got a, I, get, I sold him an old truck that gets about 12 miles to the gallon. He drove to Manhattan, Kansas. And uh, yeah, he says, never satisfied, as always wants more. But we can learn that there are some things in life that, that is enough. For one, obviously, the, the answer to the question is, is that Jesus is the answer to the question. He is enough. And we we, we want to learn that that is true. Jesus is enough. Well, I will look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, because when I first started thinking about contentment, I thought about this particular verse, where Paul is writing to Timothy, he's, he's encouraging Timothy and he's giving him, him some instruction about pastoring this, this church and pastoring people and, and uh, he, was, he was talking to, to Timothy a little bit about some false teaching that was going on and even a sense that some people were, were coming to church or just or carrying on and wanting to be godly or live godly lives in order to gain something financially. Like there was a sense of, well, you know, maybe if I just live a good life and a godly life, then I can bless, I'll be blessed financially for it. And let me just say that if you, if you give to the church, thank you, but if you give only so, so that you can be blessed in return, like that's your mentality, like, well, I mean, if I give, I know God's going to give something back to me. That's just the way it is. I know it works that way, right? That, shouldn't, that should not be your main motivation to give. There is a blessing that comes along with giving, absolutely. I believe that with all my heart. Obviously, the main motivation to give is because we have already received more than we could ever give back, Right? But some people were maybe giving for the wrong reasons. And this is what Paul said in, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. 
He said, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. And those who want to, to get rich fall into a temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for monetary or, uh, or eager for money have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. And so this sense of godliness is it's a cool name, a cool word, because it means to step back from something that is not good for you in order to put your focus onto something of greater value. So in, and to be godly is to say, I'm going to step back from something that's not as good for me, that could actually bring harm, you know, and to step, and step up and, and make my focus to be on something that is of greater value. And so basically what he's saying is, is this sense of being content with what it is that we have. And if we put our focus and our passion into just making money and we take it off of God, in the end it's actually going to harm us. It's not actually going to help us at all. And then Paul charges uh, Timothy with, with something I think is really cool. Um, right after this, he says in verse 11, it says, but you, man of God, flee from all of this, and here are the things you should pursue, which I think contentment is found in these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Like Put your effort into pursuing those things. Like Acquire those things. Step back from what could hurt you. Focus on these things. And in this, you'll find some contentment. But isn't it true, though, in the world we live in, and, and marketing campaigns and businesses really count on this, they want to convince us that true contentment is found in things, in stuff, in their product, right? They're betting on it. They're betting and hoping. They're investing, hoping that you will come and find contentment in their, in their product. C.S. Lewis uh, quoted, this was a quote that he had, it says, human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. A long, terrible story of trying to find significance in something other than the one who created you. Turn over to Philippians chapter 4. Turn back to your, your left there. In your Bible, Paul's writing again in Philippians chapter four. Roy quoted this uh, passage of scripture last week about not being anxious but being thankful and finding peace that transcends all understanding in Christ Jesus. And in four verses twelve through thirteen. Paul is actually thanking the church for meeting his needs and taking care of him. And in verse 12, he said, he says, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. And I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And this is famous verse that you see quoted by a lot of different athletes. I can do all this through him 
who gives me the strength, or I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you know that that is the secret to contentment? Is that I can go through any circumstance in my life through Christ, who is the one who gives me the strength. That's where I find my contentment. That is the secret to learning to be content. So whether it is that you have an abundance or whether you have very little left at the end of the month, the key is, is can you be content with Jesus? Is Jesus really enough in that particular case? Now, we'd all say that Brady's a little easier to be content when I have plenty. Right? Is it easier to be more content when you have lots of money in the bank and there's plenty left over at the end of the month? When you look in your cabinets, you see that there's plenty of food or when you open your refrigerator, the milk's not expired, which that happens in my house a lot. Does anybody drink milk after the expiration date? Anybody brave enough to do that? That's not me. All right? Even if it's skim milk, I'm like questionable about that. I'm like, I don't know. I'm not content with that at all. Like I have to do something about that. But learning that in whatever the circumstance happens to be, because I just know that, that the circumstances can change pretty quickly in our lives. And am I content right now with the way things are? Without question, the Bible teaches the importance of contentment. But I also want to uh, share another side of contentment that maybe we don't think about that much. And that is complacency. See, complacency is satisfaction or contentment that causes us to not want to do anything about our current reality, okay? So I want you to think about this. We could become very content with maybe certain sin in our life, certain things that, uh, well, it's not that big. It's not as bad as that person's sin. It's not as noticeable for sure. It really doesn't hurt anybody, but it's just my, my little thing. I'm comfortable in it. Have you ever heard the, the, the um, analogy of the frogs that were in a pot of water. Like supposedly if the water's boiling, you throw a frog in, it'll jump out immediately. But if you put them in and you just heat it slowly, they get so used to it that before they realize it, it's too late and they become dinner. We might be there. We might be so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm content with where I'm at. Even though I know I, there's some areas I need to change, I'm okay with it. Or maybe we're, we're content with casual with our casual church attendance. But it never really leads to radical involvement in the body of Christ. Like we never really fully, like nobody ever really knows our story and we don't really know the stories of everybody else and I never really get to use the gifts and the things that I'm passionate about. Like they're here, I've got them and I, and I wish somebody knew about them but I never really take the risk, which is what is required really. I never really take the risk. But God never intended our contentment to lull us into a state of satisfaction that causes us to neglect the matters that break his heart. I want you to think about that. He never wants us to get to the place where the things around us that are breaking God's heart don't affect us at all. Or maybe, maybe they do, like, yeah, but this, it's just too big of a, it's just too big. I really can't do anything about it. You know, there are two sides of discontentment as well. So discontentment is the antonym of contentment, right? It's restless dissatisfaction with your current reality. 
And see, this could work for you or against you. So I want, to think, I want you to think about just your life and your current reality right now. This could work for you or against you. This discontentment could be a positive thing or negative. So right now, you could be very discontent with your job. It's not happy with where you work. It's not, you don't want to go to work. It's miserable. But you got to do it. It's just like the means to the end. It's just the way it is. You look at your budget every month, discontent, not happy with, with the way the numbers are falling, falling in place. And uh, maybe you're not happy. You're discontent with your college roommate. My daughter went through that. <laughs> not, a hell, not a good situation. Very, very discontent. Maybe you're not happy with your car. Maybe so you, you get in your car, it's like, I kind of want to drive this car every day. Man, I wish I had a better car. You know, well, this is me. This is my life, right? Let me just be honest with you. I have trouble in this particular area. So yesterday I was test driving this truck, and my youngest daughter, who was up here on the stage, said, Dad, if you don't love it, don't buy it, because you're just going to trade it in here in a couple of years. And she's right. She's right. Because I'm just, oh, I don't know, you know. Secretly, I just want somebody to give me a car, and that way I'll have to be content with it because it didn't cost me anything, right? Maybe you're just not content with your meal. Like, you order something, then you get it, and you're like, oh, I don't know. It's not really what I wanted. It's just it's not what I was thinking. You know what? But then it gets really serious when we're discontented with our mate. I'm not happy with the way things have turned out. Like, I thought it was going to be different. I'm a few years into this deal, and she's just not what I thought she was going to be or... He's not what he told me he was. <laughs> the truth is out now. I'm very discontent. So what if this discontentment, though, becomes something that could be helpful? Maybe it causes you to say, I'm not happy with my job, so therefore I'm going I'm to get some additional training. I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to do something that's going to make my situation better. Like I'm going to put some effort into it, and I'm going to improve my current reality. Maybe when it comes to your, your, the budget and the spending and those kind of things, you say, you know what, uh, I'm gonna, next time they offer Dave Ramsey course here, here at the church, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to just sign up. I'm going to go. and I'm going to finally start learning how to save and how to spend money wisely. And, and, uh, or maybe, maybe you just say, you know what, I'm just going to be thankful for the fact that I have a vehicle to drive and I'm happy with the way things are. Well, what about, what about this? And I, this is, there's a book written by a guy named Bill Hybels, who's a pastor of a big church in Chicago. And he wrote a book called Holy Discontent. So what if your discontentment was actually holy? God-given. So I'll explain this to you. What if you develop such a discontentment over human needs that are around you that go unmet, that it, it causes you to do something about it. How many of you are familiar with Popeye, the sailor man? Toot, toot. Everyone, just about everyone. If you're not familiar with Popeye, your, your just life is not complete. You need to go Google him, okay? Most of us probably grew up watching Popeye, the sailor man. And do you remember who was his love? Olive oil. We were talking about this on a Tuesday morning, and one of the gentlemen that was there was like, I never could figure out what he saw in her. She's kind of homely. She's just, you know, but, but that, was, that, was his, that was his girl. 
Popeye's demeanor was usually calm and collected, but if something happened that would potentially harm her, he would explode. And he would shout, that's all I can stand and I can't stand no more. And then what would he do? Pop, he'd pop open his can of spinach, he'd take it, his, ball, his uh, biceps would get huge and he would move into action. What is it in your life that you can't stand no more? This man that had the comment about uh, olive oil, I said, you know what, how many people have said the same thing to your wife? I can't understand what you see in this guy. <laughs> He's like probably more than you can count. <laughs> I was just messing with him. But this gentleman, his holy discontent is is the, uh, the ministry that goes on at Hillcrest. Like he's like, I can do something about people who have no place to live and, and need, need, uh, need uh, goods and services and items that they can't afford, and I can do my part there. And he chooses to focus a lot of time and attention there. So maybe, just maybe, God is looking for someone just like you to make a difference in some area of life, right where you're at. There's a reason that maybe you've experienced certain things in your life. There's a reason you grew up where you grew up, the reason why you've traveled the places that you traveled. And are you willing to allow God to use your life experiences and to speak to your heart in this area to where you can be so wholly discontented <laughs> that you're like, I just can't leave here until I do something about it. I, I think it's more than probably just one thing, but I think at least all of us have been wired for a, at least one thing. I think there could be more, but I think there's at least one. What is your one thing? I mean, it's not all going to be the same, right? I mean, if all, every single one of us just had a passion for, let's say, homeless people in Platte City, and we all went out, we could conquer that probably pretty quickly, you know, if all of us focus on that one thing. But I think it's, it's, there's such a variety of people in the room that God plants certain things in each one of our hearts. We have all have different gifts and experiences for a reason. And I think maybe he's stirring something in you. Maybe he has for a while. And you're like, I just don't know what to do with this. I don't know. I'm just not content. I've got to do something about this. I've got to make a change. How many of you are familiar with the, the crisis that's going on in Syria? You guys have been paying attention to the news? Back in September, there was a photographer here uh, in Platte City. There was a, 60 of them, and they were doing different stories on different people in the community. And one of the photographers followed me around for, a, for three days and took pictures of my life and did a story, which was, was pretty cool. Well, she is on a boat right now where they are actively rescuing people who are, who are fleeing Syria because of the unrest that is there. Thousands upon thousands of people. And there's some real controversy going on in our own country because a lot of people believe that America could do a lot more. I think they've agreed to welcome uh, just a small number, just the small fraction of the people who have been displaced out of that country. 
Germany is probably leading the charge, taking it, and they're actually getting some flack from their, from their people about letting so many people come into their country. America's agreed to take just a handful of people compared to the exact number of people that have been displaced. And one of the criticisms that was given is says that America knows what the right thing looks like, but they're just not doing it. So ladies and gentlemen, let me ask you, in your life, if you know what the right thing looks like, but you're not doing it, maybe God is stirring in your heart even now saying, it's time to be so discontent with the way things are that you've got to be willing to do whatever it takes to make a change. And it might start in your, right in your own home and go out from there. The great news is, is we, have, we have access, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ here this morning, listen, you have access to the same power that resurrected Jesus from the grave. The Bible says it lives in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so you think, Brady, I'm, I'm ill-equipped. I don't know what to do. I can't, I can't do it. Well, yeah, Paul says you can do all things through Christ who gives you the strength to do it. All things. Just one thing. The utmost potential resides in all, all of us. But what keeps us content with the status quo? Like what makes it okay just to stay right where we're at? Is it fear? Ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you, if it was fear, if fear conquered me, which it does sometimes, I'll just be honest with you, but if fear conquered me, you wouldn't be sitting here today and I wouldn't be standing here. So fearful. What if people don't come? What if we have our first church service and nobody shows up? What if it's just us, our core team? Am I content with that? That would have been fine, I guess. That's all that God's gonna call to be here. We'll just, just be the 30 of us, whoever was, was involved at that time. The paradox of Christianity is that if you want to find your life, if you want to find life that is truly life, then you must lose it. That's what the world just doesn't understand. In the world's economy, life precedes death. But in God's economy, death precedes life. The cross always precedes the crown. <laughs> Here's the good news. The thing that should cause us to be supremely thankful is that when we lose our worldly comforts, we gain heavenly ones. How many of us are really willing to let go of earthly comfort in order to experience all that God has for us? Can we just be real? We're not good at that in America. We're not. And the American church, which is the body of Christ, has gotten to the place where we're not very good at it either. But you know, there might be a time in America where we have no choice but to let go of earthly comfort and to cling to the very thing that matters the most. We finish up with this. Jesus was approached and he was asked, 
what, what are the, what's the two greatest, what's the greatest commandment? Like what, just tell me, tell me the bare minimum. What do I need to do? Just tell me the one thing. What's the greatest commandment? And what was Jesus' response? His response, I believe, is the secret to true fulfillment and contentment in life. His response was, love God with everything that you've got. And then love others that way. Okay? It is in being content with this truth that we have all we need in him. And that we discover what our holy discontent is. When we fully love him with everything that we have, we begin to discover what it is that that he wants us to do. And most of the time, 90% of the time, I would say, it has something to do with other people, loving the people around you, loving the people God's put in your place. Do you know that at the end of 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul tells Timothy to command those who are wealthy to be rich in good deeds and be generous. He says, then you will hold on to life or take hold of life that is truly life. Jesus would never ask us to do something that he had never done himself, right? Jesus, discontented in heaven because of the hurt that was going on on earth, says he left heaven, took on the very took on our skin, our flesh, and became a servant, took on the very nature of a servant in order that we might know life, in order that we might be able to take hold of life that is truly life. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm just telling you, in order to really find true peace and contentment and peaceful satisfaction on earth, it's not in acquiring things. It's in giving. It's in sacrifice. It's in loving others in such a radical way that it changes their life and in the process, changes yours. Let us pray. Father, thank you for Jesus who was willing to to give the ultimate sacrifice. And teach us how to love that way. God, burn deep down into our soul something that, is, that causes holy discontent. Help us to look around and, and see what it is that we need to do. And, and when we know what it is that we need to do, God, I pray that you would just help us realize that we have the strength and the ability to accomplish it. And it's gonna be something that's bigger than something we can do on our own, so we're gonna need other people to do it with us. That's why the body of Christ is so important. God, I pray right now for, for those who are sitting here this morning and maybe their, their holy discontent is the fact that they have never truly surrendered their life to you. They know about it, they've heard about it enough to be familiar with it, but they've never fully surrendered and said yes to you by putting their faith in Jesus. Pray that right now, right where they're at, that they'll say, I can't stand it no more. I've got to give my life to Jesus. I want to live for something more than just myself. 
So right where you're at, just, just pray that prayer. Say, say, God, I need you. I need you to forgive me. I need you to come live inside of me. Give me that same power that's available to all those who have called on the name of Jesus. God, I pray that they would confess that you are Lord, that they would believe that not only that you died, but you, were, you rose again on the third day in order to conquer death, that they would experience that kind of life right here, right where they're at. I would just ask this um, in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you're here this morning as they sing, if you say, hey, there's a holy discontent in my life and I need to pray about it, there's something going on you need prayer for, uh, we, we will pray with you. But we can't pray with you if we don't know. <laughs> so you need to come and let us know and so that we, will, so that we can uh, agree with you in prayer.